0: Happy Father's Day! (laughs) Oh my goodness, that's a funny video, wasn't it? You know, we want to uh, thank everyone who's made this time special thus far. Uh, We had Eric and his wonderful daughter, and uh, amen, Derek, Derek and his daughter. But Derek's a little... He was a little nervous, but he made it happen. So <laughs> I, you know, I, I really am excited about being a dad. I think one of the things that brings me a smile, brings a smile to my face uh, most consistently is the fact that God found me worthy of being a father. And, and I tell you, sometimes it brings me to tears when I think of how, uh, you know, how God just, uh Just bless me in that way. Give me a wonderful wife. And he said, you know what, James? I'm not done blessing you yet. I'm going to give you two wonderful kids. And it's been a joy, but it's also been very challenging. And as most dads will know, we don't often get the type of recognition or credit as moms, but amen. We understand that society and, you know, we also understand that some dads just haven't le- lived up to the expectation uh, set before them. But as dads, we try to be the best we can. We may not be like that dad who's very passive and let, let everything fly. Uh, some of us err on the other extreme. We, we say no to everything. And so as dads, you know, I want to encourage us today to imitate the ultimate dad. And that's God the good father. Amen. So I have an encouraging message for us today. I want to lift up God because God is the example that all dads are called to follow. Psalm 103, verse 8, it says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Does this not describe the perfect father, the ideal dad? A dad who's compassionate, who's gracious, who's slow to anger and who grows constantly in love with his family. Uh, you know, one would think that this is every dad's goal in life, to be compassionate and gracious and abounding in love. But most fathers are either absent physically or emotionally from their children's lives. You know, someone once said, Dad spent the first part of a child's life urging him to talk and walk, and the rest of his childhood telling him to sit down and keep quiet. But that's not God. God is the perfect picture of a good father. God wants us to live our lives. He wants us to live and enjoy all that he's made. God created the world for his children. He is the greatest gift giver known to man. He wants us to live life and enjoy life. And I love how David captures this picture of God in Psalm 103. So let's go ahead and look at this. As David reflects on God's fatherly attributes. You know, David wasn't the best father himself. Uh, David had a lot of shortcomings. He made a lot of mistakes. And so I think when as David reflects on who God has been to him, I think it also, it, it helps him to feel a little better about his own efforts because he knows that he cannot match up to God. But he's grateful that he had God in his life and therefore he can be a better dad towards his kids. And first, one we learn to look at is God of compassion. In Psalm 103, uh, we'll look at verses 13 and 14. God is a compassionate God. We're going to come back to this image. There's a powerful story behind this. In Psalm 103, verse 13, it says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. For the fathers in the room, raise your hand for all the dads. How many of you were in the delivery room to see your child born? Do you remember that moment? As that little being came into the world, how fragile. How, how delicate that little child was. You know, God remembers that we are still fragile, that we're still delicate. Even as adults, God remembers that we are still fragile. And so God keeps that in mind. God is a very compassionate father. He's aware of his children's strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, a good dad pays attention to those things because then it, help, it allows him to have the proper perspective when it comes to raising his children. He's aware of our frail human condition and that we often blow it. But God doesn't distance himself emotionally from us. God draws closer to us because he remembers that we are frail and remembers how we were formed. You know, when we stumble or fall, God does not turn his head into shame. He does not turn away in disappointment. And it reminds me of the image that I put up a few minutes ago, the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona. Derek Redmond had qualified for the semifinal of the 400 meters with the fastest time in his heat. He was looking strong when suddenly he pulled up and his hamstring had torn. But rather, crumbled to the ground, Redmond continued hobbling towards the finish line. And surprisingly, he didn't have to finish the race alone. Redmond's father, Jim, ran from the stands and brushed off security to join his son. And with tears in both their eyes, the Redmonds finished the race together. You know, that was a powerful scene. I remember that watching this play out watching this man run onto the field, grab his son, and help him across the finish line. And that just reminds me of God. You know, when we, when we slip up, when we trip up, God doesn't just stand there and watch us and say, get up. No, God comes to our side, picks us up, and he walks with us across the finish line because that is who God is. In Psalm 118, verse 13, I was pushed back and about to fall. But the Lord helped me. That's the God that we have. That's the father that he is. He runs to our aid when we need him. And he will help us finish our race. Sometimes you feel like you're running this race alone. But we got to remember that we have a God who's compassionate. That when we fall, he's not sitting there watching us lick our wounds. Instead, he's there waiting for us patiently. Guiding us, picking us up, son, daughter, come on, let's do this together. That's who God is. That's who God is. And his compassion keeps him emotionally engaged with us because he loves us and that's the father that we have. He runs to us also because he's gracious. He's a gracious father. You know, this is the image of the prodigal son. And right here you see the father running to his son. He embraces his son. This son went and swandered all the wealth, away all his inheritance, everything that his father worked hard to build up, to leave for his children. He he took it. He went out to the world. He spent it all. And then he came home. And instead of giving him this long lecture, Instead of giving him this list of I told you souls and and you should have listened and why didn't you listen and you never listened and this, this, this. He ran to his son and he embraced his son. And that's just who God is. Psalm 103 verse 10, it says he does not treat us as our sin deserves or repay us according to our iniquities. You know, when someone hurts us, Our first inclination is to pay them back. We want them to feel what they did to us. We want them to really get how they hurt us and how deep they hurt us and how how they wounded us. God is not like that. You think about how often we hurt God. How many times God had to rescue us from ourselves. How many times we've blown the blessings that God has given us. And God comes back, and instead of giving us what our sin deserves, God God shows us kindness. You know, grace keeps, keeps us from going overboard with discipline. A good father will discipline his children because that's the right thing to do. Every sin will be punished. God does punish sin. He doesn't just let us fly off the handle. But God punishes us in a way that doesn't drive us away from him. God punishes us in a way where it allows us to see our mistakes, but also he shows us who we can become once we repent and change and work on ourselves. So God's grace is what does that. It's that safety net that keeps us from completely blowing it. And God's grace and mercy... Is always present. You know, I think of all the times that I blew it as a teenager. And when I deserved punishment, but I would sit down and my mom would ask me what was I thinking. And I'm just bracing myself. I'm like, here it comes. And she's like, well, what did you, I mean, what did you learn from that? And I'm thinking, well, you know, and as a teen, you come up with something, like, because you really don't know what you're doing. And then, she lets me off the hook, and I'm like, "Wait a second, no, no spanking, no, no, no punishment." She's like, "No, you know what? I'm disappointed, but you're a good kid, grace." And you know what that does? It makes you want to do the right thing because of the grace that was shown. When you expect punishment and you expect all right, I'm going to be in trouble. Let me just just take it. Let me just handle it so we can move on. You're not really thinking of changing because you don't really see or connect what you did with the pain or the disappointment that has caused God. And so God comes around and gives us what we don't expect, and that's grace. Think about how much we've sinned against God. And instead of giving us what our sin deserves, God allows us to still enjoy the blessings that he gave us before we committed to sin. You know, some people, they really want their kids to get it. They really want their kids to chain. And instead of dealing with the heart, we deal with the behavior. God's grace deals with the heart. And here's the thing. Although he will not treat us as our sin deserve, God's patience does have its limits. Now, God chooses to be patient because he loves us. But God's patience does have its limit. When you look at Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 13, it says, Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of my God also? You know, although God is gracious, and patiently waits for us to respond to his kindness, his patience eventually runs out for those who refuse to listen. You know, there are times, and I tell my kids this, you know, mom and dad can only be there for you for a short while. But if you refuse to listen, you can get yourself into trouble that we can't help you out of. And honestly, that's, that's really how, how it kind of works with God. It's like God has his grace. God shows mercy. God shows kindness. But eventually, our sin will get us in a situation that God can't help us out of. Because if he does, he knows you're going to do it again. I mean, think about how many opportunities Judas had to not betray Jesus. He had many opportunities, but he chose to go a different. He chose to go opposite of God's grace, and instead of asking for forgiveness and repentance, he chose to go to self pity. And ruined his life. You know, one of the things I love about God is that He always keeps the light on. It reminds me of Alexander the Great. Just before he would lay siege to a city. He would set up a light, giving notice to those who lived in the city, that if they came out, while the light was still burning, they would receive mercy and live. And I think about God. God keeps the light on for us. He keeps the light on year after year, day after day. He says, look, the light is on. Come. Come, let's have this relationship. Come, let me wipe away your sin. Come, let me bless your life. Come, let me help you with that issue. Come, let me fix that problem for you. Come, let me give you true happiness. But we ignore the light. And instead of going towards it, God's patience is like, okay, guys, eventually the door closes. The parable of the ten virgins. They were all waiting for the bridegroom. Everyone fell asleep. But there were some who were prepared, and there were some who weren't. Perfect example. You can't wait forever. God keeps the light on. But it's up to you to go after that light and to go after God's mercy. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. But everyone to come to repentance. A good father is patient with his children, showing grace and patience with their shortcomings, but expects obedience and repentance. And you know, sometimes I think about in my own life how God had to teach me the same lesson over and over and over again to get me to change. And I thank God for that patience. I thank God for the blessing. I remember when I was first learning how to ride a bike, and how I nagged my mother to get me this bike. And I nagged her every time. You know how you, you find pictures of bikes or, or the gift that you want and you just start putting it everywhere? Well, I used to do that. Because I wanted a bike. Now, I didn't know how to ride a bike. But I wanted a bike. And I would always, na- oh, my, look at that bike right there. We were going down the street. Look at that bike. Oh, that's a nice one. And then finally, she got me a bike. She's like, now you got to learn how to ride it. And I'm like, I don't know how to ride a bike. She said, well, why did you ask for a bike? And so we went outside, and then I started getting afraid because I didn't want to fall off the bike. And she said, no, you're going to learn to ride this bike. And you know, and I just think about how patient my mother was watching me scuttle down the street, one leg, and then eventually she got me training wheels. And then once the training wheels was on, you know, you feel comfortable, you feel good, you can't leave them on forever. So she was like, the training wheels got to come off. So the training wheels come off. And I got to learn how to balance myself. And, you know, sometimes God does the same thing for us. We have training wheels on and God is patient enough to let us keep going, let us keep going. But eventually the training wheels have got to come off. The training wheels have got to come off. And God's grace is with us. God's grace is, is patient. God doesn't force us to get something when we're not ready for it. If your faith is not ready, God is not going to force it on you. He's patient and gracious. He'll let you make your mistakes. But eventually, He wants you to take it seriously, just like every parent. It wasn't until my mom threatened to take the bike away because she knew I was playing around. I'm like, look, I, I got my training wheels, I don't have to take this seriously. She threatened to take it away unless I took learning how to ride seriously. And believe it or not, I learned how to ride that bike because it was she threatened to take it away. And we got to understand that that door is not going to be open forever. For those of us who don't have this relationship with the father, that door is not going to be open forever because eventually it closes. Now, that takes me to another one of God's great qualities because sometimes I think we get frustrated when we feel unappreciated as dads. Slow to anger. In Psalm 103, verse 8, it says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger. Now, it doesn't say that God doesn't get angry. So I want to make that point. All right. It does not say that God does not get angry. It doesn't say that he never gets angry. It says that God is slow to anger. That means he doesn't, you can't just, just, you know, tick God off with the first mistake. That's not how God is. He doesn't overreact. He's slow to anger. Does this describe you as a dad? You know, sometimes... Dads get quick to get angry when we feel disrespected. Whether it's by our children, by our spouse, or just by someone outside that we bring it home. Sometimes we get angry when our expectations aren't met. You know, I find myself often having to reevaluate my expectations for my kids. Because when they don't meet them, Sometimes you get angry because you think that they should be where they are because that's where you were at their age. Different circumstances, different times. Sometimes dads get angry when their kids don't take life seriously. Right? You're like, wait a second. You know, uh, do you know that there are starving kids in Africa that would love that food that you're about to throw? Uh, I, don't, I don't want it. I mean, dude, you, you start to give them the poor, the poor African speech. Because they're not taking it seriously. They're not taking life seriously. And, and you know, you got to work hard. You, you got a test to take. You got to study. Come on. You got you to put that time in and say, like, oh, well, you know, I did it. And we just, we just think, that, man, they're not taking anything seriously. And we get angry because we're like, man, when I was your age. And blah, 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 blah. And I think sometimes if we really go back and think about it, We were the same way. We have selective memory. But we think that, oh, when I was your age, we were these adults. We were these man-childs. We were all grown up. And I'm like, no, we were just as crazy as our kids are today, if not worse. Sometimes we get angry when we think that our kids have it too easy. You know, I coached my son's basketball team. Now, when I played basketball, you actually had to earn a spot on the team. You had tryouts. Things called tryouts. You guys remember those? You had to try out for the team? I don't get that. I get a list of kids, and they're all on the team. And I'm thinking, wait a second. So we don't, we don't have tryouts? They're like, no, you know, it's, it's, you know, they're young. I'm like, so? Like what does that mean? And so I'm looking at my list, and you know, and then you get your group of kids, and you're like, okay, he's good, he's good. What is he doing in the gym? And then you gotta be nice, and and they all want to start. Oh, Mr. Warren, can I start, Coach? Coach, can I start? I'm like, can you dribble? Do you even know what this is? This is not a soccer ball. This is a basketball. One poor kid kept forgetting his uniform, and I'm like, you know, I can't keep rewarding this. And I'm thinking, man, you kids got it too easy. I had to earn a spot on the team. I had to try out. I had to practice. And and you just walk in. I want to play basketball. Okay, there you go. And you get a trophy. Everybody gets a trophy at the end. Everybody. Even the kid who kept forgetting his jersey. I had one kid show up one time. He got a trophy with their names on it. Not that, you know, general trophy you get that's, no, they got their names engraved on it. I'm like, man, these kids, they got it too easy. No, another thing that makes dads upset is when we think that their mother's too easy on them. And We need to toughen them up. You too easy on that boy. Don't stop babying them. Stop hugging them. Don't, don't, Don't give them another hug. Stop kissing them. Too soft. And we want to toughen our sons up, right? Tell you, I made that mistake with my son. And that was a lesson that I learned. I thought, wow, you know what? I think, God, he's not like that with me. I think especially for our sons, they need to know how to connect emotionally with another man, and that starts with their connection with their fathers. So many boys, so many boys go through our life seeking the approval, seeking that, that, that step, that approval into manhood that they never get from their dad. Because they fail to meet their father's expectations. And God help them if their dads are not in their lives. They'll always go around seeking that approval. You know, we have some incredible mothers who are raising young boys. And amen. But let me just tell you this. As awesome as you are, a boy needs a man. To give him that rite of passage into manhood. That is not something a woman can do. It's not how God designed it. And he will always. You know, it wasn't until I became an adult that I felt that I got that rite of passage into manhood. Where an older father figure says, son, I'm proud of you. Son, you're doing a good job. And you know where that came from? That came from Zalika's dad. He was more of a father to me than my own father. And you'll go through life, a young boy will go through life seeking that approval from a man. And it breeds insecurity. And even though he has a loving mother who says, oh, you're, mom, you're supposed to say that. That's what they're thinking. They're going to tell you that. But that's what they're thinking. Oh, mom, you're supposed to tell, you, tell me you, I'm awesome and, and you love me and I can do anything. I can fly. You're supposed to tell me that. But if another man tells a young boy, man, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. That was a grown-up thing to do. That takes him into another stratosphere. You know, when Jesus came out of the waters of baptism, God gave him that rite of passage. This is my son of whom I am well pleased. God set the example. He didn't have to do that with Jesus, but he did. He wanted everybody to know, I am pleased with my son. And he didn't lift a finger for ministry yet. It was just because. And as fathers, we get frustrated sometimes with our kids because they don't meet these expectations. All they need is your approval. All they need to know is that I'm in your corner. I understand you're going to make mistakes. It's okay. Yes, you can cry. It's okay for boys to cry. I cry. Let them see you cry. Let them know that it's okay for a man to show emotion without it being weird. Let them know it's okay to embrace them, you know, My son, and I used to feel weird about this because I never did this. So I'd sit down on the couch, and we'd be watching a movie, and my son would come and lean on me and put his head. And that used to make me feel uncomfortable. I'm like, what are you doing leaning on me? Now, my daughter does it. I expect that because that's my daughter. That's a girl. But my son would show affection, and I didn't know how to process that. I had to go to the scriptures. I had to go to other godly fathers, and they were like, bro, absolutely show your son affection. That's what God does to us. I mean, you read about David's relationship with God, how he talks about God, how in love he is with God. You can't tell me that David would not lean on God's shoulders if God was with him in the pastures. We get frustrated when our sons show signs of affection. But we got to let them know it's okay. I kiss my son every night. I hug my son. I kiss him on the head. I give him a pound. We give each other dap. Sometimes he plays bongos on my belly. I mean, we, we do whatever. But I want him to know. I want him to know that he can count on me. Emotionally as well as physically. Being there to support. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. Sometimes we react and we speak in ways that shut our kids down. But God, God wants us to inspire our kids. He wants us to draw them to us. You know, think about how God got you to change. He didn't give you what your sin deserved because you'd be dead. Think about it. I know some of us right now are like, man, listen. Bro, preach on that. I blew it on the way here. Thank God I got out. I, I came through the door smoking. God did not give you what your sin deserves. Here's why. You show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance, It's God's kindness that led you towards repentance. It was God showing you kindness that led you to make that decision to change your life. Now, yes, God may have sent some life-changing trial your way, but even within that, he was kind to you because he could have let it destroy you. But instead, he showed you kindness. He reached down and he pulled you out. Just like a child who's reaching up for his daddy, God reaches down and picks us up because that's who he is. Now, your earthly father may have been, um, may not have been that way, but here's the thing. Our earthly fathers are not the standard. God is. And so where they may have failed you and let you down, God will never let you down. And even then, God still expects us to honor our fathers. Even if they disappoint us, even if they they, they haven't been in your life, just for the fact that they gave you life, God says that's enough to give them honor. You don't have to like them, but you got to give them honor. Thank you for giving me life because now I can be with my true father. And all that's been missing, God will supply. You know, God tells us dads to be imitators of him. He's the example. He's the standard of fatherhood. And he calls us to imitate him. And lastly, you know, I want to encourage the dads, it's not too late to reinvent yourself. If you see some weaknesses in your fathering and in your parenting, it's not too late. It's never too late. It's never too late. You're like, well, James, I haven't spoken to my kids in years. You know what? It's never too late. It's never too late. You know, I have not spoken to my dad since my wife and I have been married. This is going 20 years. 20 years. He's been to see me preach at the Apollo. He's been to my wedding. But that was it. He hasn't met his grandkids yet. And my kids ask, hey, dad, what about your dad? Is he still alive? And so I can choose to be bitter and hold on to all that. Or I can choose to honor the fact that he and my mother came together and gave me life so that I can be a father. I don't have to imitate that. That's not my standard. My standard is God. And I choose to imitate him. And lastly, God God is the type of father who's abounding in love. Abounding in love. Psalm 103 verse 11, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. In verse 17, but from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. And with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. God can never stop loving us. It's not in his nature. His nature is is to love. In fact, the Bible says in 1 John 4, verse 16, it says, and now, oh, where we going? There we go. And so now we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. God's love is reliable. You can always count on God. God will not Let you down. God will always show up. He's always been there from the beginning, and he'll be there in the end. That's who God is. And we got to remember that. Even during those days where it doesn't feel like God loves you, when he doesn't feel like he remembers you, when it feels like he doesn't hear you or even like you, remember, it's in his nature to love. That's who God is. That's the father that we have. I understand some of us may have dads who are unreliable, but that's not our focus. Our focus is on God, the creator. God, our, our awesome father. And, you know, I would encourage you to do like I did. I prayed for God to open a door so that I could one day reconnect with my dad. And, and just, let him, just let him know, look, you got two grandkids. They would love to meet you. The past is the past. Let's focus on moving forward. You can choose to be bitter or you can choose to be better. Focusing on what you don't have is not going to help you be better. But when we focus on what we do have, and that is God, God will bring us through whatever comes. Amen? God is love. That's who he is. You know, it's like the song that we just sung not too long ago written by Pat uh, Pat Barrett. And Tony Brown, it says, you are a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I am loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. God is a good, good father. He's full of compassion. He remembers we are weak, and he helps us. He is full of grace. He does not treat us as our sin deserves. God is slow to anger. He does not overreact when we blow it. He's kind and does not overreact when we mess up. And God is abounding in love. God's love continues to grow for us. It never decreases because God is love. It's who he is. And he is absolutely reliable. And God doesn't just stop there. You know, unlike some dads who can't wait for their kids to get out the house, God actually wants us to move back in. And matter of fact, God is like, look, I'm preparing the house for you to come, and I want you to stay with me forever and eternity. You don't have to worry about getting your own place because we're going to be together. I'll take care of everything. That's who God is. He's a God who wants to love you forever and spend eternity with you. So remember, you have a good, good father. Focus on that. And let that encourage you this morning. In God's name, we give the glory. Amen.